Travis Ryer with a reminder that Second Helping is now a part of a new network. That's right. Moving forward, Second Helping is teamed with the Pigskin Podcast Network. Now, with the Pigskin Podcast Network as our primary platform, you'll still be able to hear us wherever you consume podcasts and will be brought to you in part by DraftKings, a partnership we'll tell you more about a little later in the program. For now, though, enjoy the show. Welcome back to Second Helping, the podcast of choice for fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network, alongside my great friend, co-host Brent Beard, longtime college football analyst for First Coast News in Jacksonville, Florida. And of course, a voter in the race for the most prestigious individual honor in college sports, the Heisman Trophy. And Brent, it is the show we have been anticipating because – we have SEC football <laughs> to talk about from Thursday night, and we also have plenty of SEC football to look forward to coming up over the next few days. Well, it was such fun last night to just spin the dial and and, and take in all that was uh, going on. Uh, Tennessee and Missouri get uh, pretty solid wins with work still ahead. Uh, and uh, Pittsburgh uh, and West Virginia and that brawl were just breathtaking. And uh, I thought Purdue and Penn State certainly had its moments too. But, uh, hey, Trav, there ought to be a law uh, somewhere that the brawl needs to take place every year. How much fun was that last night? Yeah, since we're not going to have Bedlam, it looks like, much longer with Oklahoma State, Mm -hmm. know you. Just have the brawl, West Virginia and Pitt. (laughs) And those two games last night outside the SEC that were absolutely breathtaking, um, they were not SEC affiliated. But when you think about the coming weeks, you've got Tennessee going to Pitt next weekend. And then the weekend after that, you've got Penn State going to Auburn. So there definitely was some carryover where the SEC was concerned. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about that. And look, both both teams uh, had their moments where they did not look very good. But you got to give Pitt a lot of credit. Got down, stormed back. Um, the pick six was uh, was absolutely amazing. But uh, that pick six, and I think you mentioned this on Twitter. The, uh, when the ball bounces off the receiver's hands, that that should count more on the receiver than the quarterback. And I, I, Trev, I, frankly, uh, the way Penn State's played over the last few years with James Franklin and Sean Clifford, I thought that was a significant comeback last night for Penn State. Oh, it was critical on both fronts. I think it was critical for James Franklin. And absolutely critical for Sean Clifford because you have Drew Alar, the freshman quarterback, who mm-hmm. we did see briefly in the game that is just sitting there in the catbird seat, ready to take yeah, over at any absolutely. time for Clifford, who has had injuries in the past. And he's had some really bright moments. They've been offset by some not-so-good moments. And I think Auburn in a couple weekends, I think that's the the crossroads start probably for Sean Clifford. And I understand last night really in the grander scheme of things was bigger for Penn state than Auburn will be in two weeks because that's conference yeah. action. Last sure it is. Sure and it it's is. road conference action. But, um, you know, Clifford, it, it almost has the feeling of being 
play to play with him at this point for the veteran quarterback. And, you know, I felt bad for JT Daniels from the pit perspective, because you mentioned the pick six for West Virginia in that game. I mean, for Pitt in that game, uh, Daniels starting now, of course, at West Virginia. Yeah. I mean that you can't throw that ball any better than he threw it. And, And it wasn't just a drop. I mean, it was a ricochet directly, to the uh, pit defensive back. And then, you know, that, that absolutely changed the game. No doubt about it. I got to give JT Daniels a lot of credit. You know, uh, there were questions about his maybe intestinal fortitude a year yeah. ago yeah. at Georgia. Uh, but I thought he showed some really nice moxie last night. That was a pretty ferocious pit front defensively in a pass rush. And I thought he stood in there, hung in there and uh, he gave the Mountaineers every chance to win that game. Oh, he really did. And and Pitt wasn't that sharp either where they traveled. No. They got dominated at times. Frankly, they had a bad fumble. They had a blocked punt. The offense looked like they didn't know what they were doing at times. And even that, and I'm with you, Pitt's got a really good front uh, seven. They didn't look at it at times last night. And they were gashed. But, but also, Trav, how about... Uh, how about Slovis too? Uh, he he certainly had his moments, and both but both those quarterbacks were on display last night. The brawl, they were, and of course, yeah, it was Slovis that took over for Daniels after he was injured at SC. And uh, I thought at the time back then that Slovis was an upgrade mm-hmm. from JT Daniels. I, I thought JT yeah. Daniels was clearly the better of the two last night. Uh, Slovis had some moments where. Uh, he looked a little more concerned about the pass rush and wasn't able to keep his eyes up the field where, you know, Daniels, even though there was pressure, he was looking to take shots. Uh, he, he wasn't backing down one bit. So it'll be interesting in the coming weeks as we outline SEC interaction with those teams, both Penn State and West Virginia, but specifically with the SEC teams on Thursday night. Let's start with Missouri and Louisiana Tech and Look, a win's a win for Missouri, and I don't think they're at a point as a program, Brent, where they can kind of start assigning style points. Louisiana Tech, (laughs) you know, not a bad team, not a bad G5 program. So, oh, what was it, a 28-point win ultimately? I didn't like some of the things I saw from Missouri, maybe more so even offensively. You look at the point total and you go, look, that was a good night for the offense. Uh, Weren't able to convert a fourth and short. Uh, against Louisiana Tech with the run game. Um, But defensively, we talked about it. That team needed to show improvement with an emphasis on run defense, and and they did that last night. They sure did. But they held Louisiana Tech to 11 yards rushing. They forced three turnovers. Uh, That was important. And, and Trev, I I forgot about Tyrone Hopper, who was at Florida – that that came to Missouri. He had, uh, he. Uh, oh, I'm the sorry. Linebacker. Uh, yeah, yeah, the linebacker. Uh, actually, he was with La Tech. He had uh, 11 tackles against Missouri. So I give I give him a lot of credit. But but look, uh, and they deserve bashing uh, during the off season. But this this Missouri defense was 124 in the nation last year in run defense, 105 overall. Now they've still got their work cut out for them, but you couldn't you tell last night that had been a real source of emphasis uh, in fall count and the offseason for Missouri. No doubt about it. Had to be. You got no chance. I mean, you can't win at any level 
if you're giving up 200 plus rushing yards a game, uh, that's just not. And I still don't know how well what we saw from Missouri last night is going to translate into SEC play. You know, you're throwing double passes and things like that against La Tech uh, to try to create some offense. I thought Brady Cook was good enough. Yes. At quarterback. Um, that'll continue to be, I think, an ongoing storyline. Mm-hmm. It was more of a by committee approach, I guess, Brent, in the quest to replace Tyler Beatty from a year ago uh, in the run game. You saw some decent things from a couple of those guys. Even Cook showed you uh, some ability to make plays with his legs. And obviously, Luther Burden, the true freshman yes. wide receiver, heralded coming in there. A uh, real emphasis on trying to get him the football. You look at his receiving stats from last night. They don't exactly blow you away. He did have a touchdown catch. Uh, but even in terms of just handing it to him, getting him the ball in the quick game, uh, wasted no time getting Luther Burden involved Thursday night. Well, uh, three catches for 17 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Trevor, when you were channel spinning like me, I don't know if you saw this, but Burden almost made a incredible one-handed yeah. catch. Uh, near the sidelines too, and they were look. Uh, Tyler Beatty was not there, obviously. Three hundred twenty-eight yards, uh, which uh, I know they were very pleased uh, to go along with that. Uh, also, but Medea Cook, as you mentioned, seventeen to twenty-six, one ninety-six. Travis, he ran the ball seven times for sixty-one, so he gives them that threat with his legs too. No doubt about it. And Missouri gets Kansas State next Saturday. Interesting game. Definitely a step up, you have to think, for the Missouri Tigers on September the 10th. Kind of that, uh, you got the um, SEC Big 12 Challenge a little bit there, right? Missouri-Kansas State, you're going to have Alabama-Texas. That's right. Uh, It'll certainly be of interest. But let's talk some Tennessee football. We anticipated a quick start from the balls. I don't know if either one of us had Tennessee intercepting a pass on the first play from scrimmage from Ball State. And then the very next snap, Tennessee's already in the end zone and kind of took off from there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, 570 yards, average 6.7 yards a play. Hendon Hooker, four uh, touchdowns through for 222. Uh, No doubt, Cedric Tillman, six completions, 69 Jalen Wright, 86 yards rushing. Um, and, and, Trav, we talked about Brew McCoy transferring from Southern Cal. Three catches, 42 yards. So uh, they pretty well did what they needed to do uh, uh, on offense. Now, defensively, and again, we consider the competition in Ball State uh, allowed only uh, a touchdown, basically. They did give up 343 yards, uh, which will something they'll work on with, with Pitt uh, all the way around. But they wanted to, I think they wanted to feel good opening win in Knoxville, Trav, and they got it. And they got it on a Thursday to kind of match up with what Pitt was able to do in terms of having that extra day or two, Brent, right. before you get into that big matchup. Um, next week in Pittsburgh. So uh, should be a lot of fun. The Johnny Majors Cup, I guess we could call that one. <laughs> That's tremendous. Uh, really Johnny <laughs> uh, having spent time, obviously, yes. at both Pitt and his alma mater, the Tennessee Vols. So, Brent, uh, with that, let's kind of look ahead to yep. the upcoming weekend. And oh, we can go around this slate any way you would like. I will 
start with uh, a game that I know in your in the Northeast Florida area, uh, and with your attention so much there, uh, among other places, uh, you know this Florida Utah game on Saturday night at the Swamp, and and part of all this too, we talked about this before the podcast is a concern you have first and foremost is weather this yeah. time of year, and not just from a heat perspective, but thunderstorms. Uh, the, the type of severe weather that can result in delays and things like that. Uh, that's where we're trying to just clear the first hurdle, I think, when it comes to some of those Saturday games, especially later in the day. Yeah, that's going to be huge. There's no doubt about that. And I know there's a little bit of a front that's pushing through and fortunately pushing some of these tropical storms away. So ho- hopefully that will uh, make a big difference uh, in that game. Now, now uh, we both understand Florida has had a habit of playing not so good competition, but but one thing that did catch my eye immediately on this game, on this game, Trav, this is the first time Florida has been an underdog at home in the opener since 1969 against Houston. Wow! So so that that it that's something they're not used to, and uh, they're used to. Uh, playing easy games, but uh, I'm I'm curious if you detect the same thing as I do. There's a there's an ex, there's a nervous excitement, Travis, for this game for Gator fans. I think that's true. I think that's true. I, I think Florida fans uh, understand what they're getting in Utah. Yes. Uh, yes. You know, it is a top ten team that is uh, on its way to Gainesville for Saturday night's opener. So, um. You know, for Billy Napier, you're not opening without Abilene Christian. You know, no. you're you're going right into it with uh, the defending Pac-12 champs, and you know, I think even in a game like this, even though Utah is clearly the more accomplished team uh, from a season ago, I think Utah's also benefiting from that chip. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. And the perception that maybe more so locally uh, with Florida fans than regionally or certainly nationally that, you know, look, it's still Utah and this is still Florida. Yep. And so the Gators should be in good shape. I can tell you pops doesn't feel that way. Pops, <laughs> pops a lifelong Gator fan. He, yeah. he likes Utah yeah. to win the game. And I think that's where I'm going with it. I like yeah. Utah to win the game. I think the Utes are only like a three, three and a half point favorite. Uh, I think it'll be a very physical, probably more of a grinder. Um, but I like Utah in the game, Brent. I don't know about you. No, I, I do too. Uh, I, I would. I think Utah right now probably has the better roster. I mean, this Cam Rising is a accomplished quarterback. Tavian Thomas said, uh, running back uh, defensively with Winningham men coach. You know what they're what they are used to at this point. So, um, I, I, no, I would I would agree with that. And Muhammad Diabate, uh, folks may forget. Former Gator, yeah. Former Gator is is with Utah. Uh, at this point, too. So, uh, Travis, when you look at Florida, they have got, uh, to me, their strength is their offensive line and their running backs because Mm -hmm. as good as we think um, Anthony Richardson could be, uh, we don't know that yet. Even Billy Napier said he's only got very limited experience. These wide receivers compared to what I think Napier will bring there over the next few years. In some ways, I, 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 I'm not necessarily saying they're average, but they've got a lot of, uh, of – A lot of the same kind of guys, it looks it like. 
It is. Right? It, it, I don't Trent, see a Riddell yes. Anthony or no, Ike Hilliard type. No, uh, Travis, could you say this this Florida group, instead of having a number one, uh, yeah. aren't a lot of these guys a lot of twos and threes? Yeah, they got a lot of the same kind of guys. And so that's I, I think Florida has to win a grinder. I think both quarterbacks will be fun to watch, though. Rising they will be. And Richardson with what they're capable of doing on a play-to-play basis. Uh, should be uh, very, very fun to watch on Saturday night. Sticking with that nighttime window on Saturday, uh, South Carolina getting things going against Georgia State. Really like Sean Elliott. I guess this is a little bit of a homecoming of sorts for him. He has uh, ties to that South Carolina program. He was the interim head coach there at one point. Yeah. Um, and so uh, Georgia State, the Panthers, making the short trip over from Atlanta and an opportunity for Shane Beamer to carry over that momentum from a year ago. Well, I certainly think they're excited, and the, and uh, I get that. There's probably more uh, stress on season ticket buying, and they and they the fans have come through. Uh, they certainly want to see what Spencer Rattler is going to be able to do uh, in this situation. I still want to see Travis. Can they run the ball? with Marshawn Lloyd, uh, and uh, what kind of deep threads do they have? Uh, that joiner, I think, is, it could be really good uh, if they find out a way to be able to use him correctly. So uh, this, is a, this is a nice opener uh, as far as this game is concerned. But I'll tell you what, when you look at South Carolina, uh, Trav, to me, uh, the opener is one thing, and, and I know the old take it one game at a time, but don't you know they've got an eye on Arkansas next week at Fayetteville, and what's going to be a uh, it could I don't want to be dramatic about it, but could be somewhat of a season-defining game for South Carolina, could it not? Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those early gateway games that we've talked about in the past, and uh, they typically involve cross-divisional sort of opponents in a lot of instances. And that's what you're going to have next week. Uh, and speaking of Arkansas, uh, not exactly a walk in the park no. expected for Sam Pittman's team as they opened the 2022 campaign against a Cincinnati team, uh, having to replace Desmond Ritter at quarterback, having to replace Jerome Ford at running back. Uh, but a program that seems built to last at this point in the Bearcats. So, uh, you talk about a point spread. I think uh, Cincinnati, a six-and-a-half-point road dog in this instance. Uh, but, again, a, a legitimate challenge for Sam Pittman before he gets to South Carolina in a week's time. And I know you covered this Cincinnati team last year with Alabama playing them in the playoffs, and they've still got Deshaun Pace, that their linebacker uh, is back, Wilson Huber, uh, Jameen Thomas. Some people forget some of these names. They Obviously, they lost Sauce Gardner uh, and some of those guys to the uh, uh, NFL. But uh, I think this is still a very capable team uh, under Luke Fickle. And that's going to be interesting to see what they do uh, at quarterback. Ben Bryant's name, Evan Prater, uh, I think is another one there. Uh, but, but, Trev, I want to see this Hawk defense, don't you? Drew Sanders uh, mm-hmm. back there. Catalan is back. Uh, uh, listen, uh, I, I think this hog defense, if they stay healthy, this could be one of the better bunch, 
uh, in the SEC come October. DraftKings changed the fantasy football game forever in 2012. Now, 10 years later, they're doing it again with Rainmakers Football, their first ever NFT fantasy game. That's right. There's a new way to enjoy daily fantasy football and a new shot to win millions in prizes. All of it from the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Playing Rainmakers Football is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player cards of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions. Build your collection of football stars and enter free Rainmaker football contests all season long to compete for millions in jaw-dropping prizes. Each week, you'll craft your lineups of athletes from your NFT collection and rack up points for touchdowns, receptions, and more, just like you would in daily fantasy football. The next generation of fantasy sports is almost here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now and sign up with promo code TP. PN. Click the Rainmakers tile and opt in so you can be ready for the next drop. Play free for millions in prizes all football season long and build the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers football. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Yeah, I like Arkansas at home Saturday afternoon in that game with Cincinnati Having the quarterback back in KJ Jefferson is yes. obviously big. And I think you hit on it though, defensively, a little more concerned about the front. But once yeah. you get to the linebacker level and the secondary, I think Arkansas is going to be just fine in that Barry Odom scheme, which, you know, they like to run a lot of zone. And it'll be interesting to see how much they're able to do uh, of that with, with Cincinnati formidable uh, on the ground game, first and foremost. So, should be a fun one in Fayetteville on Saturday afternoon. Man, you talk about that Saturday night window with SEC teams. There's like seven games yeah. that kick yeah. off at either yeah. 7 or 7.30 Eastern. And one of those, Mississippi State taking on Memphis. Uh, Ryan Silverfield, the former Bulls Bulldog, now the head coach at Memphis, been there a couple of years. I think it's a big game for Ryan. I think it's a big year for Memphis and Ryan. But, you know. What are we going to see from Mississippi State in year three under Mike Leach? We know who the quarterback is. Uh, we have an idea who a couple of the receivers are. I think we know who the running backs are. Um, the offensive line, obviously, with Charles Cross moving on to the National Football League as a first-round pick. Uh, you'll have a little bit of a question mark there. Uh, Zach Arnett in that defense uh, has been consistent in the last couple of seasons under his watch. What do you think about Mississippi State in that opener with the Tigers coming down? Uh, there are no surprises on that defense, are they, Trav? I mean, uh, Zach Arnett's got back all the starters in the front six and three starters in the secondary. I mean, that's amazing to think about how good that they could be defensively. Uh, and, and again, will we see any uh, any – a little more vertical passing, shall we say, oh, uh, uh, from Will Rogers in this in this Mike Lee situation. But but one thing, the first thing when you read about this game all week long is how State got hosed by the officials on that kickoff last year, yeah. and, and how that's going to be done. Seth Hennigan, uh, the Memphis quarterback, will be interesting to see how that how that goes. Uh, with them, but but I I like state uh, in this game, uh, and again, um, I, I don't I still don't think 
they get enough credit. I think we both love Ornette, but uh, Travis, I, I, I can see that defense really standing up and giving them a win in this one. Yeah, I like Mississippi State at home. Alabama hosting Utah State at Bryant-Denny Stadium on Saturday night. Rare in that Alabama actually opening a season at home. Been That's so right. neutral site heavy under Nick Saban, but it is the defending Mountain West Conference champions that are making the trip from Logan to Tuscaloosa, where they will pick up nearly $2 million for their efforts uh, in, in coming over. Um you know, Utah State had a game last week in uh, zero week. It wasn't maybe the prettiest of performances for Blake Anderson's team, a 31 to 20 win over UConn. Uh, man, it's crazy that Alabama, you look at the odd, the, the number right now, I think it's 41, 41 yeah. and a half that Alabama is favored. Um, you would think that number would, would go down, but I guess it just speaks to the expectations for this team. Oh, it does, and 60% chance of rain, and Bryant Denny will be interested to see how that affects things. But uh, Logan Bonner was pretty solid 20-29 in that win over UConn, their quarterback. Uh, but UConn also ran for 245, which I'm sure gets a lot of folks' attention for that Alabama running back room. Trav, my big question on this, on this one is, is our – is our friend and colleague Chase Goodbread doing okay today <laughs> after after a tirade last night on hey coach from Nick Saban? Yeah, Chase was the media guest for the Ooh. Nick Saban radio show last night, and Nick is already ranting about rat poison, and we haven't even played a game yet this season. That's right. And uh, it looked like Chase was enjoying himself. Look, Chase comes from Cinder Block, Arlington, okay? Yes, in, yes. In, in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, he, he, that was mild. Yeah. You know? That's mild for a guy from from Cinder Block Arlington, like uh, like Chase Goodbridge. No, I, I think you know Utah State is a nice challenge for Alabama defensively when you consider the cornerback situation, because Logan Bonner is an experienced quarterback, not a very mobile quarterback coming off the knee injury in the bowl game last December, but you know he showed you against UConn. He can challenge your guys on the outside, yeah, and absolutely. I think that's where. Utah State's going to look, and I think that's where Texas will look in a week's time. So I think it's a good evaluation opportunity for Alabama where those starting corners are concerned. I'm with you. I worry about Utah State in terms of run defense after watching UConn just gash them a week ago, 150 rushing yards in the first quarter. Utah State did clean some things up, but at the linebacker level, oof, were some rough, rough uh, missed assignments there. That's This isn't the week for that. If you're Utah State, Vanderbilt one and oh, Brent going to host Elon, the Phoenix making the trip to Nashville. Real chance here for Vanderbilt to get the two and oh, Wake Forest coming up, Alabama coming up. Uh, Vandy with that run game at Hawaii, 404 rushing yards in yeah, that win, really. and a defense that scored a couple of times. So a lot of good stuff for Clark Lee going into week two. Oh, yeah. Or week one, I guess it is. But yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, but they, but that was a good win uh, in Hawaii. That the, they didn't let the 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 different time and all the travel and so forth make a big deal out of that. Look, we know Hawaii's basically starting over under Timmy Chain. But uh, uh, listen, for Vandy, I, Trev, I don't care who it is. When Vandy rolls up 601 yards, 404 yards rushing, uh, and and actually held. 
uh, Hawaii to 358, which is probably pretty good uh, the, the way that uh, Hawaii can score defense turned uh, turn over two turnovers uh, i tell you what after elon by by what trav uh late saturday night vanny may be feeling a little bit better about themselves no oh, i don't think there's much doubt about that and then we'll really begin to find out about yeah. this vanderbilt team in the, in the coming weeks um you got kentucky also on saturday night hosting miami the red hawks uh making the quick trip over to lexington uh, this Kentucky team, we talked about uh, Chris Rodriguez and the uncertainty surrounding his status. Um, do we know anything more? Is it a certainty that he's out, I believe, for this game? Yes, but but we don't know beyond that. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I got amused, Trav, at Mark Stoops that they're asking. that uh, The media is saying, uh, uh, Coach, what about uh, these players who have been suspended? And then he stomps them and says, well, now I didn't say they were suspended. I'm just saying they're not playing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so semantics here for these coaches, but, but look, there, there's no doubt that there's some real concern about when Chris Rodriguez is coming back. There was a, uh, a DUI in May, and uh, it, this goes beyond the DUI, Travis, what I understand. And, again, we're not mm-hmm. going to speculate on what that is. And Jordan Wright, the outside linebacker, is out uh, with this game. Uh, now, they like this kid, Ramon Jefferson. I'm curious if you've heard much about him, but he has kind of emerged during camp uh, at this point. Obviously, Val Wright, Kavasi Smoke, is also involved uh, with that, too. So I, I can I can see them getting a pretty decent win here. What I what I want to see is how their how their defense plays trial because look uh, with whatever they're doing and this opener you know good and well they're looking ahead to that Florida game in Gainesville. Yeah, another big big matchup for next weekend within the Southeastern Conference divisional matchup on top of everything else with Florida and Kentucky on the horizon. Auburn in that 7 p.m. Eastern window on Saturday night, hosting the Bears of Macon. Um, Auburn with an opportunity here, I guess, in the first couple weeks to ramp up in advance of that uh, anticipated showdown with Penn State in a couple weeks. Yeah, well, there's no doubt. And look, everything is going to be uh, focused toward that. Even Brian Harson is not going to say anything about it. Obviously, uh, Trev, my question uh, in this game, frankly, is how many quarterbacks are we going to see mm-hmm. for, for Auburn? Obviously, uh, T.J. Finley uh, will be starting. I'm, I'm guessing we've got to see Robbie Ashford at some point, do we not, just to get him on the field. Uh, and then I don't know if we see much from, from Zach Calzada. Uh, really hated here that Nick Brahms, the center, uh, that his career yeah. is over, uh, that that's a real shame. But but again, it's a it's an easy test for Auburn. But we still kind of want to see uh, Trav. Their questions: I'm, How many carries do you give Tank Bigsby in a game like this? So uh, it will be an easy win, but there's still questions to answer. I think Auburn knows that it can run the football. I think this is an opportunity. The first couple of games, actually to get that passing game mm-hmm. more of where it needs to be before you get into Penn state and, you know, LSU, I guess down the road a little bit. 
um, need to answer some of those questions, not only with your quarterback, but you know, some guys there on the outside that you're, you're looking to incorporate into that passing game and, you know, not a fun offense to prepare for or go against in Mercer because yeah. of kind of that Academy <laughs> option approach. Yeah. Alabama yeah. saw it last year. Will Anderson got a cut block that, you know, left him hobbled for a couple of weeks that he had to play through. So from an injury perspective, you're on alert for that Auburn defense with the way Mercer goes about its business on offense. What about Ole Miss hosting Troy? I don't know. It'd be a warm one in Oxford at about Ooh. 3 p.m. Central oh, yeah. on Saturday afternoon. Troy coming over uh, from Central Alabama and Lane Kiffin. Not necessarily what I anticipate to be a new look offense, even with Charlie Weiss Jr. in there, the offensive coordinator position to go along with Lane, but maybe more so from a personnel perspective. A lot we can learn from some decisions that Lane is still keeping a little bit close to the vest with an emphasis on that quarterback spot. I've got a friend who has been at Ole Miss practice and, and in the media who, who said uh, if they can find the, the quarterback, and we think that's probably going to be Jackson Dart, although we cannot overlook Luke Altmaier and the job that he's done, that this may be Lane's best team. I thought that was interesting. Now, they love Zach Evans, the transfer from uh, TCU. Uh, now, again, uh, Trev, the other thing is with Dart, if he starts, isn't that significant for Michael Trigg, uh, another transfer from uh, Southern Cal who's coming over? And they've got Troy and Gunnar Watson um uh, and, and Troy may give him a little bit of trouble in the beginning. They've got a little bit of a, of, of a defense that might, but yeah, if the heat doesn't wear everybody down and this one, uh, oh, miss is going to be fascinating to watch here. And again, you've got Trev, you've got Troy central Arkansas, Georgia tech and Tulsa all before you get into Kentucky and then they've got Vanderbilt. My, oh, my. Trev, is there anybody in the league that's got a more advantageous schedule uh, as far as getting your team ready for the meat of the SEC grinder? Yeah, it works out well, you would think, anyway, for Ole Miss. Yeah. Much-anticipated matchup on Saturday afternoon from Atlanta, Georgia, Daddy. The Dogs, <laughs> the defending national champions, host Dan Lanning, former Georgia defensive coordinator, and Bo Nix, former Auburn quarterback, yes. makes his way back east. Yes. So many storylines, so many parallels you can draw between this Oregon team and uh, Georgia and the SEC in general, I guess. Bo is uh, 0-3, by the way, uh, against Georgia, and I think he'll be 0-4 uh, by the end of the day. But, but still, this is a good team in Oregon. Stephen Jones, our left tackle as well. Uh, thought of in a lot of ways. Uh, Trav, I, I, look, uh, George has got to have an answer for Noah Sewell. Uh, this this guy, frankly, is one of the better linebackers that they're going to be seeing. So that will be fascinating to see where that goes. Now, we we think the Georgia passing game will be fine uh, with Bennett, but there is a real concern right now. Uh, George has only got about uh, probably three healthy running backs, 
and and even Kendall Milton has got a hamstring injury that Kirby says he's going to be in pretty good shape. A lot of losses on defense, but a lot of guys come back. I still think Georgia wins this game by, by, by 14 points before it's over, but uh, Trev, is there enough intrigue to keep dog fans on their on the edge of their seats for a while in this one? You talk about Noah Sewell. He is kind of a retro backer. He's yeah. a thicker banger type. Mm-hmm. They're in the middle of that defense. So this game ought to be right in his wheelhouse because you anticipate Georgia with those tight, condensed formations and heavy formations to still look to first and foremost establish that run game, even with the injury situation at running back. And you do worry about Milton because this has become an ongoing thing with him. Yes. No fault of his own, but it just seems like he can't shake the injury bug. So I think where Sewell could have his problems is if Munkin, the Georgia offensive coordinator, is able to get the tight ends matched up on yeah, him oh yeah, in some ways and then throw the football to the likes of Brock Bowers and those other guys, Darnell Washington and those guys. So that'll be a fascinating matchup to watch with Sewell. Keep an eye on the Oregon middle linebacker, not only against the run, but when Georgia looks to do some things formationally that maybe allows them to get some mismatches on him in the passing game. Cincinnati at Arkansas, we talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, we both like the Hogs at home. Yes. And then Sam Houston State traveling to Texas A&M. That's your 11 a.m. Central game. So you get that one out of the way if you're Jimbo. Yeah. And, uh, you know, quarterback again, going to be interesting to watch there. I think a little bit of a surprise to folks more so outside the A&M coverage area that it is Haynes King. Uh, behind center first. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've talked to people, Chris Hummer, national college football writer, uh, they're in Texas for us at 24 seven sports.com. He couldn't, he couldn't reiterate enough how much Jimbo Fisher really likes Haynes King. Well, that's interesting. Uh, I mean, obviously awful injury last year, uh, for King and, and Travis, frankly, I thought Max Johnson was going to get that job. Me too. Uh, uh, but still, I think uh, that what would be interesting would be uh, how much Johnson plays. I wonder if that he's going to play, that Jimbo's going to play Connor Weekman a little bit just to be able to get him in there. Uh, uh, so I think that's going to be uh, 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 f- fascinating too. Uh, now, um, Appalachian State and then Miami comes to town so uh after sam houston say frankly which is not a bad club for their division uh, well well, we need to keep that in mind too now trev i know you've been out there uh to that stadium in that in that area i wonder around noonish will it be is there any way it'll be under 100 degrees when that in in college station there's nowhere to hide it's not like it's you know, leafy trees yeah, and yeah. a lot of shade area. No, you're going to cook if you go to that one uh, on Saturday. But the good news is if, if A&M's what it should be, yes. uh, you should be able to get out of there about halftime no, no and uh, go find a cool place with some <laughs> with some cool beverages. Hey, we also got to talk about, right, uh, Sunday night football oh, involving yes. LSU and Florida State. LSU, just a field goal favorite, I believe, in this game in New Orleans. I, I just don't see Florida State hanging in there. No, I, no. I, I didn't 
spend a lot of time on Florida State uh, Saturday, last Saturday, in that win over Duquesne. I know the Seminoles had three 100-yard rushers. To me, none of that is applicable to what the Seminoles are going to see from LSU on Sunday night. I I like LSU pretty easy in Brian Kelly's debut, Brent. Yeah, I I agree uh, very much. Now, uh, look. Uh, the um, Travis, the, the the important thing about this game from an FSU perspective is they've got to stay healthy because to me they that their FSU's next game uh, that that is coming up uh, they they get back into uh, uh, ACC play uh, w- with a situation where they go to Louisville mm-hmm. on a fri- on a Friday night they've got to win that game to get them going. I, I like Jordan Travis. I don't know if he's ready for uh, LSU, Kendron, Poitier. They like, you mentioned the running backs. And defensively, Jamie Robinson, who is a transfer at free safety. Jared Burst, they like. He's a kid that transferred from from Albany, of all places. Uh, but, look, LSU, as you and I have talked about now for months, still has dudes, and that they will be ready to play uh, Kayshawn Booty, uh, I don't think uh, that there's really anyone that can match him up uh, as far as that secondary is concerned for FSU. Uh, 16 transfers for yeah. uh, for LSU in this game uh, may, makes it very interesting. No, no guess yet uh, or nothing definitive on the quarterback. Trev, I, I still have heard, I'm curious if you have too, and, and kind of believe – Jaden Daniels is probably going to be your starting quarterback. They'll they'll probably uh, revolve it revolve it a little bit, but I think that's coming. Yeah, the consensus seems to be that Daniels is a good bet to start the season, right. but at some point, perhaps not even in the too distant future, Garrett Nussmeyer ends up being the guy. Yeah. My concern is with either of those guys. I've seen enough from both that they're not afraid to take some chances with yes. the football. And so that's the only scenario I see for LSU in this game where it could go sideways for them is if the quarterback play puts the defense in some bad spots via turnovers, uh, poor decisions, things like that. But absolutely, uh, those guys will be under the microscope on Sunday night at the Superdome. So there you go, Brent. We've recapped Thursday night. We've previewed the upcoming weekend. And, man, now all we got to do is plop down and watch it all play out, right? I wish we had a week like this every week where you've got <laughs> Thursday through Monday. Now, now Monday night, uh, I thought this was rather interesting. You've got Clemson at Trav. At, it's not Clemson. It's in Atlanta, Georgia Tech. How about that? So, will it's will they, part of the it's part of the um, the Chick Fil A it is thing, yep. though, isn't it? Are right. they are yeah. they playing that at, at Tech or in the Dome? Uh, I, I was thinking I think they it, might be in the Dome. I, I, you know, that's a great point. I, I've I've what I've seen. Not is, sure though. What I've seen is is it's at Georgia Tech. Oh wow. On the flats, okay. So, so they may be going to the varsity at halftime. Do you think that's possible? And <laughs> one like that. But, but listen, if we get Travis, we get action on Saturday, like we did on Thursday night. It's going to be a great weekend, won't it? Yeah, should be absolutely a lot of fun. And looking forward to talking about it 
all next week here on Second Helping. Brent, anything else before we check out? Well, there's some things we need to keep our eye on uh, as far as in the big picture. Uh, number one is going to be uh, 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 what actually happens with uh, the president's being interested in expanding the playoffs right now more than the commissioners because the presidents are tired of money being left on the table. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the new transfer rule uh, has come down, uh, and those windows are in effect that we've talked about uh, a couple of windows during the year as far as football is concerned. And a little bit of talk about the Big 12 going ahead and renegotiating their media rights deal. And part of that affects what you and I talk about every day in that the possibility travel of Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC maybe in 2024 instead of 2025. Yeah, sounds like that may be very well on the way. And uh, speaking of Texas, we'll have some Texas talk here on the podcast oh, my. Absolutely. next week. So for Brent Beard, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us right here on Second Helping. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, we certainly hope you'll do so. It's available anywhere you consume pods. And with that, until next time, so long, everybody. <laughs>